You are listening to a Live City Church podcast, and we hope you'll experience Jesus today. We are excited to have you join our extended online church family. If you would like further information or wish to access more content, please connect with us on our Live City Church Facebook page or visit us at livecitychurch.com. Okay, I will honor the time that I've got. So if you open your Bibles very quickly, turn to Acts chapter 16. Acts in chapter 16. We're going to read verses 22 to 34. Acts chapter 16, verses 22 to 34. While you're turning there, I'll provide a bit of context. So the story begins where Paul and Silas are walking in a marketplace. And while they're there, they come across a fortune teller. She's a servant. And she has a, uh, she's demonically possessed and has the ability to fortune tell and tell the future. Interesting thing was she was accurate. Okay? The demonic was actually accurate. So be careful of that. And she's following them around. The Bible says for days saying, look, these are the servants of the living God. Look, these are the servants of the living God. Every day she's saying this multiple times until Paul finally had had enough. And he looks at that spirit and says, out in Jesus' name. Immediately she's delivered. But now she can't fortune tell. And according to the word, they made a lot of money out of her fortune telling because she's accurate. And so now they're quite upset. They began to stir up the crowd in the marketplace. Now there's a mob out against them. Join us in the story, Acts chapter 16, and reading for verse 22. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten. After they had been, look at these words, severely flogged. I mean, I didn't know the difference. I thought flogged is severe anyway. But no, there's a flogging and there's a severe flogging. They had a severe flogging. They were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell. I'll explain that in a moment. And fastened their feet in the stocks. I mean, as if he can get away in a prison anyway. Right? I mean, really. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. They're having church. Because if two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst of them. There's two, enough to have church. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everybody's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew a sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. You notice they're not in prison anymore. They're in the jailer's house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his family were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy. Because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole family. I want to tell you that the great testimony moments are often hidden in difficult times. 
I remember when we were praying for the sick one time in a service in Malaysia. And we train our teams and we go on the mission field to Malaysia how to minister in miracles and healing, signs and wonders. Everyone that goes on the field actually is used by God to perform healings. Am I right, Lee? First time, he's a new Christian. You're out there casting demons out, I think, <laughs> you know, and healing the sick. It was crazy looking at these guys brand new, doing the same things that us seasoned Christians are doing. You don't get a baby Holy Spirit. You get the whole deal. But I remember in this particular trip, as I'm going there, there was a, an elderly lady. She must have been in the late 60s. She had a gray parlor to her skin, and she looked pregnant because she had stomach cancer. And she was really sick. And I remember the team, as they're going around, they saw her and they <laughs> made the beeline. You ever had those moments when you have to pray for people? You sort of like, just give me the headaches to start with. I'll, I'll work my way to the big ones. Give me the headache. Anybody got a headache here? Okay, back pain? Maybe go back pain? But, you know, so they avoid it. So I thought, you know what? It, the same God that heals headaches and back pain is the same God that heals cancers. So I thought, I'm going to go for the crazy. Okay? So I went for it. I'm thinking, I don't know how this is going to turn out. I'm just going to do it. So it began, this is one of the first cancer patients I prayed for. And I remember just praying for this lady the first time. I said, how do you feel? You know, on a scale of 10, before I began to pray, how much was the pain level? This lady didn't even respond to that. I'm still not healed, is all she could say. So, okay, let's, let's pray again, man of faith that I am. God, you better come through. And I'm praying for this lady, and she still wasn't healed. But I said, do you feel any better? I'm pretty sure I saw the stomach starting to go down. But she's saying, oh, I'm still sick. Okay, let's just pray again. Prayed a third time. Now I'm definite the stomach is halfway healed. Halfway healed. How do you feel? I still got this problem. But this time, her daughter's come up because she's shocked. She's seeing the stomach going down. And, and she says, we're not Christians. I said, okay. You do understand. You see that the stomach's gone down, right? Yeah, yeah. About how much? Halfway. I said, I agree. That's what I see. Do you understand that when your mom gets healed, you have to give your life to Jesus? You can't doubt that he's here in this room right now. Okay. So we prayed. It took seven prayers before the lady was totally healed. Give glory to the Lord. Come on. By now, I'm leading her daughter in prayer. I'm leading the elderly lady in prayer, and they believe in Jesus. And I've got a story to tell because it's, you know, I can tell you, I prayed for this person, and they had a headache, and Jesus healed them. You're like, yeah, that's great. I mean, to that person, that's a miracle. But when you have these stories, she had stomach cancer. She looked like she was pregnant, and she was healed. Do you understand how much more weight that has? But the, because... I saw a difficult situation and only God could move through the situation. So Paul and Silas are in a position that is incredibly uncomfortable. Have you ever praised God when things were going really bad in your life? Some of you are going through bad times. Let me tell you right now, it's like I was warned when we came here to plant this church. Uh, I was speaking to the principal here. Um, Mr. Sands. And he said that before they were able to build, the police called him in and they had a meeting with him. They said, do you understand, principal, that this is a stronghold of witches? There's lots of witches in this area. And you, you need to be careful. We find the remnants of the sacrifices up on the mountain and around this area and that they were going to come under attack. So he warned me as well when we planted this church, be careful. So what I found lately is that there's, a lot, there's a, quite a lot of people in our church right now going under th some form of hardship. And uh, the, I had this word that God gave me, and I felt as I was praying and preparing, this is the word for right now. I want to ask you, what are you doing in your time of difficulty? What are you doing in your time of hardship? 
What are you doing in your time of testing? Are you sitting there complaining about it? Or are you having a worship service in the middle of your crisis? It's a choice that you make. You're the same person. You have the same Jesus. You have the same spirit. But while some people are crumbling under the weight of difficulty and hardship, others yet are praising God and seeing the greatest miracles of God in front of them. I want to challenge this church to remind you who you are. You are a Christian filled with the Holy Spirit, called to do great things in the name of Jesus. Oh, you are too quiet. You're going to help me preach this message. The Bible says, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks in all circumstances. Oh, I'll thank, I'll thank Jesus when I get the new car. I'll thank Jesus when I get the new job. He's saying, I can't give, you, I can't give that to you because you're not even grateful with what I've given you now. Are you going to let a little trouble in your life tear you apart and keep you from praising me? We make these decisions all the time. And it seems like we're so focused. And here's the thing. I've got to tell you, there is a strategic work of the enemy against you. Because if he can get your eyes off him by throwing situations and circumstances, he's got you nailed. But this is the thing. This word is in season to tell you, Ephesians 5.20, another one. Always, think of that word, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. Job, who suffered the most that we talk about in the Bible, everything is going against this guy. Everything is going wrong. His wife even says to him, man, just curse God and die. Get it over with. He says, shall a man receive good from God and not, from ba- and not bad? Good and bad alike come from the Lord. He's still God. He's so worthy to be praised. Give thanks in all circumstances. You need to understand that I used to think the jailer was a good guy, one of the good guys, because he's so nice. He's so nice that when he says, make sure you keep an eye on the guys, all he had to do was throw them into a regular prison cell and keep an eye on them, right? That's what I get. They're locked in prison. The, the key's taken away. They can't get out. Just watch him. Just go by. Have a look at the jail cell. You've done your job. No, not this guy. What he does is he throws them in the inner cell. I had to look it up. What is an inner cell? It's just cells, right? No, no. This is the deepest, darkest place in the prisons. You have to go downstairs. There is no light at all. And because of where it is situated down deep below, it's damp, it's wet, it's humid. And there are rats and other vermin crawling around. Imagine cockroaches. You don't treat this with pesticides and sprays. And just as a measure of goodwill, the man throws them in stocks. I mean, as if they're going to get away. It's the inner cell. You can't get away from a cell. It's the inner cell, deep down in the belly of the prison, full of these infestations, and then he locks them up in stocks. You ever sat down for like five minutes and your, and your feet go to sleep? Am I the only one? And your feet go to Can I see a Just give me a, a wave so I know what you're talking about. Even the young kids understand what I'm talking about. Imagine being locked in stocks and you can't get out. You are stuck there. Your foot is numb. It's going to sleep. There are rats gnawing on your toes. You may not even feel it or might feel like a tickle. (laughs) It's all good. Imagine these guys. They can't even lie down and rest because they'll lie down on their beaten backs. Remember, they're severely flogged. The only way they could rest is if they lay lay on their front, but now they can't because in a sitting position. This is the worst of situations to be in. 
And it could have been a moment where they were there blaming God. I served you and you give this to me. I, and I know I'm not just preaching to Paul here, right? As, and can anyone relate to this? You had the same prayer to God. You did this to me. I made a decision for you and trouble comes upon my life. Instead of sulking, they were singing. Instead of complaining, they were communing. Instead of pitying, they were praising. And instead of worrying, they were worshiping. You are so quiet. Thank you, honey. I appreciate that. What are you doing in your storm? You see, heaven doesn't record the moments when it's like, oh, poor Maria, life's tough. What they do record and what they do celebrate is when life is tough and you're saying, glory be to God. Bless his holy name. Oh, my goodness. That's when heaven sits up and begins to take notice. That's a child of God. That's a servant of God. Because they realize that their life is not comprised of the situation that they live in. Their life is comprised of the assignment that God has for them. They don't see the the present. They see into the future. They see the things that God has for them. They have hope in their hearts, and they're filled with faith. Are you prepared to lead a worship service in the middle of your hardship? Can I challenge you this week? If you're going through a hardship moment, you just start to worship God. It's a wonderful thing that you can do. It'll take you right out of your situation. Hebrews 13 verse 15 says, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually, you see that word again? Always give praise. Continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. A sacrifice of praise. I'll worship God, Pastor, when I feel like it, but I'm going through a really difficult time right now. You wouldn't understand. But, you know, when I'm feeling better, I'll start to raise my hands and worship God. Get over yourself. Get over yourself. See, God is about to move in your life, but he only begins to move when you recognize and worship him. That's why. You begin to worship him. You take yourself out of a natural situation into a supernatural one. It's full and pregnant with promise. God has ways and means around things for you. And is already working in the background. He's just waiting for you to praise him in advance. So you're really quiet this morning. Heaven will be amazed in time at the heroes who will be revealed that you never knew about. These are the people who lived sacrificially and often go unnoticed. You see, we, we, we don't seem to understand that word sacrifice. The word sacrifice means it's expensive to you. It will cost you something. You don't want to worship. You don't want to praise. And the world and your friends will tell you, oh, I'm with you. You don't have to do that. You're right. You know the ones. They're Facebooking these moments because they're looking for people to have a pity party with them. Can I, can I be real serious for a moment? Do you think that glorifies the king? All you're looking is for validation that, yes, you have a right to be miserable. I'm here to tell you, no, you don't. Because the Bible commands you to give thanks in all circumstances. It says to continually give a sacrifice of praise. You don't have a right to. How dare you, Pat? Look, I don't want to belittle your situation. I just want to tell you, I feel your pain. But I also want to encourage you to step out of it. 
You don't belong there. There's more that God has for you. The church of Jesus is powerful. We do things that causes the world to sit up and take note. Acts 5.41, the apostles, this is what the early church was like. There's a lot of passages. I'll just give you one. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Did you know what they used to do in the early church? They used to compare scars during church. Check out my scar. Look at this one. I got this one. I got whipped 40 lashes this week because I preached the gospel. I got caught in the marketplace. Oh, yeah? Well, look at this one. This, I almost lost my leg because I was preaching the gospel to them over there. And they were beating me up and they're pounding on me. I was trying to get away. My leg almost got ripped off. Oh, yeah? Well, check out. This is what they were doing in church. Where are your scars? Where are your scars? that you wore during this week, when you took it, you cupped it on the chin, and you look back and say, I love you. Hey, come again. No, I love you. I tell you, it just messes the enemy up. you got to play mind games with the enemy. Begin to mess him up. Let me give you four key lessons. I'm going to go real quick. I've got five minutes. Write them down. Four key lessons we can grab from this. Number one, the power of their worship was magnified by the severity of their punishment. The the worship was worth more because of what they went through. Some of you have got the most extravagant worship that you're about to offer because of the hell you're going through. Make it count. Make it worth it. The worth of worship is more precious and powerful the harder the circumstance. So while they're having this meeting, they're in severe pain. Just think, you know how your your body tries to heal itself? It's now starting to, you know, that white liquidy stuff comes. It tries to heal it. Remember that there's there's little mites and flies and things that are probably in their back, trying to make some maggots in their back while they're doing that. And they can't reach because they're in stocks and bonds. They're in a lot of pain. They're uncomfortable. And they decide, church, church. Let's begin to sing. And they're praising God. Here's the thing I want you to understand. When you begin to praise God in the midst of your circumstance, all of heaven goes crazy and begins to worship with you. God can't help himself, and he began to sing with them. But when God sings, the earth trembles. That's why there's an earthquake, and it's not the first time it's taken place. The greater the trial the greater the triumph. Write that down on someone's collar. The greater the trial, the greater the triumph. The bigger the giant, the taller they are, the harder they... You know this stuff. Here's the second one. You never know who might be listening and watching you in your time of pain and suffering. You are a message of Jesus Christ. As you go through your trouble and people know you're in trouble... And yet you have this glow about you, this grace. It messes people up. I remember a family member come to us, my wife and I, when my airline I worked for went bankrupt. I had no work, and I was, I was told you can't get another job or you lose all your redundancy payments. I couldn't work for that first week, and I'm thinking to myself, what are we going to do? We worried for about 30 seconds. We even met us thinking maybe we should stop paying tithes. In, it was about 30 seconds. Did it last a minute? Probably not a minute. My wife looked at that. No. We absolutely will not. If we stop paying tithes, we've lost all hope. 
We will give until it hurts. We will give a sacrifice of praise because we want the supernatural to overtake the natural. We began to give, and God began to do something crazy. A family member came and says, how can you be so peaceful in this crazy storm? You've lost your job. You've got a brand new baby. You've got a house that you've just renovated. How are you going to make these payments? You're going to be in trouble. Why are you so peaceful? That was my platform to preach the gospel. Because God. See, the thing is, we want to know the outcome now. When we pray to God, we demand to know now. You don't have any rights. What, what made you think you had rights to demand that? Have any of you ever baked a cake? Okay, I'm, I'm better now. I'm better. I tried to bake a cake, and you mix up a whole bunch of ingredients. I mean, you look at it in and on of, of itself. It's just gross. It's just flour. You ever tasted flour? It's not nice. Sugar's pretty good. I'll throw sugar in there, lots of sugar, butter, melt the butter. And you put these things together, and then you whack it in the oven, and the heat's on. Now, what I did was, when I first started baking, I didn't understand. And I was so excited about my first cake. I was a teenager. I'm going to make my first cake brownies. I was in Malaysia. I was, yeah, Malaysia at the time, growing up in high school. And I went to check on the oven, and I and opened it up. What I didn't understand was the heat was escaping. And so the moment I did that, when they started to rise, I think it was, there's a special one you make, sponge, not sponge cake, it's something else, where you have to keep it closed until the right time. I opened it, and the thing, I was so disappointed, began to shrink. So I closed the door again, was hoping that it would rise, and I went to check again, and it just wouldn't. I ended up burning the thing. You see, what we haven't realized is that you don't open the oven before the cake is set. What happens in the heat transforms the ingredients into something new. You have to let that thing remain in the heat in order for it to transform and change. But you're looking to open up the oven, to open up the heat. And some of you have gone back into the world to try and ease the pain of your life, to try and take away the heat from your life, and has it fixed the problem? You've just spoiled the cake. Here's the third one, moving fast. God did not remove them from their trouble. They endured the beating, the disgusting cell, their legs locked in stocks before he rescued them. You see, he does that because trouble has a way of revealing the true nature of our faith. The way you persevere through trouble identifies where you are in Christ. Some of you have been going to church a long time. At the first hint of trouble, you've run out the door. You're not a mature Christian. I'm sorry. Paul talks about this in the Apostle. I've been through you know, severe beatings twice. I was almost killed, almost died. I've been in shipwrecks. I've been in storms. I've been thrown to all kinds of trouble. Still he stands. Still he smiles because of the hope in his heart. Who are you? In the midst of your suffering. 2 Corinthians 12, 7 to 9. Paul had a thorn in his flesh. Some say it was a disease, something wrong with his body. Some say it actually was a spirit. Some say he could not read properly. None, no, nonetheless, 
It was, he called it a thorn in the flesh, constantly giving him pain. And he cried out to God, take it away from me. This is a man who works in miracles, healing, signs, and wonders. People are getting healed all the time. And he couldn't even get his own healing. You know what God said to him? No. No. First, no. I'm not going to do it. Why? Don't you love me? I love you. So I'm going to leave it in your life because I love you. Could you love me less, Lord? I love you. And my grace in you is made perfect in weakness. The grace upon your life is made perfect when you're weak. Let me keep going. Last point. Number four. The miracles came after the worship. Keep worshiping. Keep giving your best to God despite the circumstance. God is already behind the scenes working out your solution. Why don't we stand to our feet? We're going to start to close. I want to finish with a story for you. History tells us a story of George Mueller, a very godly man who knew how to hear from God and trust God by faith for all circumstances, for all needs that they had in their life. And the story goes like this. At one morning, they had set the table as always. This is what they did. If there was no food, no drink, no milk, nothing, it didn't matter. Every morning, they would set the table as before, the plates and the cups and the bowls on the table. They were there, but they were empty. There was no food, and there was no money to buy food. The children were standing, waiting for their morning meal when Mueller said, Children, you know we must be in time for school. Lifting his hand, he said, Dear Father, we thank you for what you are going to give us to eat. There was a knock on the door. The baker stood there and said, Mr. Mueller, I couldn't sleep last night. Somehow I felt you didn't have bread for breakfast, and the Lord wanted me to send you some. So I got up at 2 a.m. and baked some fresh bread and it brought it. Mueller thanked the man. No sooner had this transpired when there was a second knock on the door. It was the milkman. He announced that his milk cart had broken down right in front of the orphanage and he would like to give the children his cans of fresh milk so he could empty his wagon and repair it. George Mueller noticed that as the number of orphans he was taking care of increased, the Lord's provisions also increased. Come on, give a hand to the Lord for that. I want to tell you tonight, today, what the devil uses to intimidate and discourage others, God uses to embolden and encourage you. When you become bold and courageous during hardship, you're, you, you intimidate and discourage the devil. I think it's time to do a bit of discouraging and intimidating of the enemy. Let me ask you another question before I finish. Is your problem greater than you? Or is God in you greater than your problem? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me as I close in prayer? Father, there is no hardship that you have not already prepared us for. Either grace is being released or there is provision being released. All is taken care of before we even uttered a single word. God answered the prayer. 
Today, Father, I pray over the sons and daughters in this place, my brothers and sisters. Father, that Live City Church would be full of stories and testimonies. I'm not saying that you should remove the trouble for them ahead of the season and timing that you have for their life. I'm not asking for that. But I am asking for strength. I am asking for courage. I am asking for breakthroughs. I am agreeing on that heaven would invade earth, that every situation would resolve in the name of Jesus, and each one would become a great and powerful testimony. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining Life City Church, and we hope that you were blessed and inspired by today's message. If this ministry has made an impact on your life, we'd love to hear from you. Please drop us a line and share your story at thanks at livecitychurch.com or email us your prayer needs at prayer at livecitychurch.com. We'd love to connect with you and hear more about your story. If you love the ministry of Live City Church, you can make a financial gift to help us spread the good news of Jesus by going to livecitychurch.com and clicking the giving tab. We hope today's message has spoken into your life and look forward to your next visit.